All right, let's hear this Rebs guy. Yes, <laughs> let's hear him. And thank Tommy, you for being patient. For Absolutely. And thank you again for being patient. The fact and that he's Lori, hung in there all this time says a lot. Yes, he's still yes, here. He does. We haven't scared him away yet. So, Lori, would you like to introduce our speaker, Tommy? And you just need to unmute um, star six, please. Yes. There you definitely. go. Definitely. Being a, um, well, a first year season ticket holder, which I didn't get to use, but I have been a Red fan since um, before a lot of you were born. And that's probably including Tommy. Um, <laughs> I'm from the Big Red Machine era. You know, uh, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan. I mean, the best second baseman there ever was, you know. I tell you, I, I, I love the Cincinnati Reds. Always have, always will. And I am so excited about Mr. Tommy Thrall being the new announcer, taking over Marty Brenneman, a person who uh, is definitely, a, you know, he is in the Broadcast Hall of Fame, and rightly do so. And... Um, I, I wanted to tell Mr. Thrall that um, last year at spring training, when Marty was uh, out there in Arizona with you, uh, he took you and introduced you to my son, who lives out in Arizona and who has been a season ticket holder for a few years. And uh, he told me, he says, Mom, you're going to love Tommy Thrall. He said, because I know how well you love the broadcasters and what a great job that they do. And being totally blind, you know, we really rely on the broadcasters to make that game real. Make those home runs seeable. You know, make somebody sliding into second base. You know, we can see those through your voices. And I did do some research on Tommy. And uh, it seems like he broadcast for a Reds farm team before in Pensacola, Florida. And they were the Blue Yahoo's. <laughs> Blue Wahoos. I thought, how did they get that name? I don't know. And if they had some sort of a theme song, I would love to hear it. But just saying it just is so fun. It's so fun. But anyway, without further ado, I welcome you, Tommy Thrall, and welcome you to ACB Ohio's virtual convention. Take it over, sir. All right. Thank you so much, Lori. That was uh, boy, that was very touching. I, I I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, yeah, it, it it is. It's truly an honor to be here and 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 speak to you all today. And and it was, you know, it's 
a true honor to uh, take over for a guy like like Marty Brenneman. And uh, it's funny, it, you know, you, you get here and a lot of people say, boy, you know, taking over for Marty Brenneman, you got big shoes to fill. And I look at Marty's feet and, you know, he's he's like a size six, six and a half shoe. I'm size 12. What are they talking about? No, I'm uh, of course only kidding. It, 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 like I said, it is truly an honor to take over for Marty. I really like Marty. Um, I've gotten to know him uh, so well as a person. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy not only that he's a mentor, but also a friend now. And the fact that I can say that, Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman is a friend of mine is really, really incredible. Um, you commented there about the, the importance of a broadcast uh, for those of you that, that can't see the game. And that's that's kind of, it, I know it's not on the same scale, but it, it, it reminded me of what got me interested in broadcasting and what, what got me interested in, in calling baseball games. Uh, you know, I grew up... Uh, it, in a generation where, where a lot of games were on TV, but certainly not all of them. And uh, I, I developed this connection with the voices of, of the team that I grew up rooting for, the Kansas City Royals. And, and the guy I listened to was Denny Matthews and his longtime partner, 25 years, was, was Fred White um, doing Royals games on the radio. And you'd go to bed and have the game on and that, that there was one call that I remember very vividly. The Royals won on a walk-off home run. And I mean, this is an extra innings. It's way past my bedtime. There's no reason I should still be up. And I was so excited when I went to bed. And when I woke up the next morning, I remember the call was so vivid that when I woke up, it was as though I had been at the game. And, you know, one of the best things you can hear uh, as, as a broadcaster, somebody that can come up to you and tell you, hey, I listened to the game and I, I, I closed my eyes or I just wasn't there and I just felt like I was at the game. And uh, so, so Lori, I, I certainly understand that, that sentiment. So uh, thank you so much for, for sharing that because that's, that, I mean, that really is. That's when, you're, when, you're, when you do the job to the best of your ability, uh, it should feel like you're at the game. So hopefully some good news as well. If you are a season ticket holder, hopefully fans will be allowed in the games next year. Uh, I think we're getting closer to that. Uh, that is, you know, there's still a long ways to go. It's still a long road to get to that point. But uh, fingers crossed that, that we'll be able to get folks back into the ballpark next year. Those of you that don't know, this year was very unique in that, you know, we weren't traveling with the team. Typically, we're on the road with the team. We're on the team charter. Wherever the team goes, we go. And uh, this year, it was not like that. We did the home games from our home radio booth, uh, like a normal game without fans in the stands. There was the, the pumped-in crowd noise. It was fake crowd noise, which was different. But it didn't really feel that much different until you got into that stretch down the, the – really towards the end of the season when the Reds started to go on their run and, and get into the playoff race. And that's when you really felt the lack of – crowd and the lack of that energy in the ballpark that you would have in a normal year because the ballpark would have been rocking and we missed that a little bit this year but we also did the road games from our home radio booth off tv monitors which was which was really challenging because there are a lot of things and a lot of aspects of the game that you get a feel for when you're actually at the game and it's the little nuances and little descriptors that you're able to add by being in the game that help bring the game to life for the people that can't see it so 
that was something we really missed. Hopefully next year we'll be back on the road and uh, that that's something that, that we'll be able to get back. And I, I hope it is. And it was, we made the most of that situation, but it was certainly a challenge. Um, like I said before, it, it's an honor to be a part of the Reds organization. Not only is it a rich organization from a historical standpoint, but from a broadcast standpoint, Al Michaels, uh, who does Sunday night football now, did Monday night football for a long time. He used to do the World Series, big network guy, one of the best broadcasters to ever do it, was in this booth before Marty. And you go back to some of the pioneers of broadcasting. It is truly an honor uh, to be a part of, of the Reds broadcast because of not just the team's legacy, but the broadcasting legacy in that booth. It is it is really, really an honor. Uh, a little bit about me. You you mentioned, Lori, that I worked for a team called the Blue Wahoos for seven years. I was in Pensacola. And if you're going to spend seven years in the minor leagues, I will tell you this. A beach town is a great place to do that. And uh, it was it was an incredible spot. The ballpark overlooked the bay and it was just a magical place. At sunset, the, the sun would glisten off the water. It was almost a metallic sheen across the water. The, the backdrop would glow in the, in the setting sun, and it just cast this incredible uh, glow, and it, it just it, it lit everything up in the background, and it was something that, that there was nothing that could do that justice. My words couldn't do it justice as I would try to describe it on the air. Uh, photographers would try to capture it in images. It was just something that was really breathtaking and, and it never got old. But uh, seven years in Pensacola, the team was called the Blue Wahoos. And I'll tell you the story on that. It was a name the team contest. And they have the Blue Angels, which is the Navy's demonstration flight team uh, that they're based in Pensacola. There's also the Blue Water, Blue Sky, and the fish, there's a, there's a pretty common uh, fish called wahoo. It's not blue wahoo, it's just called wahoo. So they decided to combine the blue of the water sky and the blue angels with this fish, the wahoos, into blue wahoos, and that name actually won the naming contest. So that's how the team was named. But it was a, it was a great place. They were affiliated with the Reds for the seven years that I was there after I left and came up to Cincinnati. The affiliation actually changed. It's going to change again. It, they went to the Twins, and now I think they're affiliated with the Marlins. But that was a, it was a great partnership for the seven years that the two were uh, teamed up. But that was just one stop along the way. I mean, it was a wild journey. I, I got started out of uh, college. I went to a small school. Uh, and it's funny because when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to school, I knew from an early age uh, that I wanted to get into broadcasting. I, I loved the radio. Uh, I, I, there was a time when I thought being a DJ would be a lot of fun, but I also fell in love with the game of baseball. And I talked about listening to Royals games growing up. I, I realized at one point I was watching a game on TV with my parents. I said, wait a second, the announcers get to go to all these cities. Like they're in New York. That is awesome. And they get to talk on the radio. And I thought, why, what a great job that would be. And it was kind of in that moment where I got to realize that I could combine my two passions, radio and baseball, into one. So that's what I did. And I decided, well, I'll chase that crazy dream. And if I only would have realized that about eight years old or 10 years old, however old I was when I decided this is what I wanted to do, that 
it was actually harder to make it as a broadcaster than it would be to make it as a player, I probably would have done something differently. But thankfully, uh, I, I, I didn't have that mindset. I decided that's what I wanted to do, put my head down and went for it. And uh, I guess it's worked out, but it's, it, was a, uh, it was a wild journey. Like I said, it goes back. That was kind of the route, I guess. And then uh, it started to, to blossom in college. I guess that's where things started to grow. I, I always wanted to go to the University of Missouri big school. I grew up a Mizzou fan and I thought they had a good broadcast program and that's where I wanted to go. And I really wasn't giving any other school any thought. One of my teachers when I was in high school said, well, you should give this school called Northwest Missouri State a look. And I had never even heard of the school. I thought, yeah, sure. Well, I got some information in the mail, decided I would do a campus visit there, but I went to Missouri first. And while I was younger, I would talk to some of the broadcasters. I had Actually, it had reached out just out of the blue to Denny Matthews, who I grew up listening. I just called up the Royals and, and left him a, a message, and he called me back, and, and that, that has always stuck with me. But one of the questions, and it might have been the only thing that mattered in the conversation, but one of the questions I asked him was, where, where do you think I should go to school? And he, he told me, he goes, nobody can teach you in a classroom how to be a broadcaster. You have to learn by doing so go somewhere where you can get a lot of experience. And that's always stuck with me. And it's advice I've passed along to anybody else that's approached me that's wanted to get into broadcasting. So I, was, I went to Missouri, that advice in the back of my head. And on my campus visit, I said, well, when, uh, when can you start getting hands-on experience here? And at Missouri, they told me, well, if you're good in the classroom and you do a good job through all your schoolwork, maybe by your senior year, maybe. And I'm coming from a small high school. I graduated with 150 kids and we didn't have any sort of broadcast program in my high school. Some, a lot of schools do now, but mine did, definitely did not. And I thought, well, that's a long shot. And then I went ahead and, and went on kind of the courtesy visit to Northwest. No interest at all to go there. I loved the campus at Mizzou big time school, coming from a small high school, I thought that's where I wanted to go. Then I went to Northwest and on the visit, they said, uh, I asked the same question and they told me, well, what, what do you want to do specifically? I said, well, I want to announce baseball games. And the guy looked at me and he goes, well, you could probably do that your freshman year. And in that moment at the bell tower in the center of campus in this small town of Maryville, Missouri, I decided I am going to Northwest Missouri State. Made up my mind right then and there. And, and that's where I went. And lo and behold, it was the right decision. I mentioned that I wasn't a great student academically. That wasn't my cup of tea. I got the acceptance letters back from the two schools. Missouri, I got accepted on academic probation, which means you had to keep your GPA above a certain point in order to just stay in school. Otherwise, if not, you're out. At Northwest, I got accepted on academic scholarship. So I wasn't exactly dealing with the Harvard of the Midwest here, but uh, I got to do what I wanted to do. And I, I got uh, experience right away. My first Friday night on campus, I was doing a high school football game on the student radio station. And it, uh, it really got the ball rolling for me in my career. Um, funny story, actually, th that first semester, I had been doing some games on our student station. And uh, there was one little radio station in, in our college town that was just a small market radio station. And they had heard me do some games and they needed somebody to help them with one of their broadcasts. So the guy that uh, did their sports, he was in charge of their news and sports. He called me one day out of the blue, said, Hey, this is Matt Gorder. I'd like you to do, uh, I was curious if you'd be available to do an eight man football game. Well, 
I had the mindset, if anybody asks you to do anything on the radio, you just say yes. So I said, eight-man football, sure. He goes, okay, we'll come to the station and uh, we'll go over the details later this afternoon or tomorrow. I hung up the phone and said, great. After I hung up, I thought to myself, what the heck is eight-man football? And I had no idea. I'd never heard of it. And I grew up in Missouri. It was happening in Missouri. And I had no idea that this existed. In my head, I'm thinking, eight-man, is this a family picnic? Is this the Jones versus the Clarks? Are there going to be jerseys, numbers, roster? What did I just get myself into? I'm going to fail at broadcasting before I even get started. And it uh, turns out it was actually sanctioned state high school football at these small high schools that didn't have enough to uh, field 11-man teams. I did the game. It went well. I had a blast. And uh, that was the first paid gig I ever had. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, as it turns out. But that was, that was kind of what got me started. I went through college. I did every game I could. Uh, I, I, I was a DJ at that radio station. I would go on to work part-time there doing DJ, news, sports, all kinds of stuff. I worked at a classical station. I worked on the student station. I was doing baseball, football, basketball. I even did some softball. I did everything I could get my hands on. I'm at an independent baseball game called the Kansas City T-Bones. When I was in college, I had just finished, I think, my freshman year. And uh, they were this, this team was new. And it's basically, it's like minor league baseball, but they're not affiliated with any of the major league teams. And I... I met the game with a buddy of mine and, and I said, boy, they, they have a new broadcaster this year than they had their first year. And I, I just, I wonder how you find out about these jobs. And he goes, well, why don't you go ask them? And I thought, well, that's ludicrous. So I did. And I went up there and decided I would take the leap of faith and, and ask if I could talk to the guy that does the hiring. Well, the guy that does the hiring for the broadcasters is the broadcaster himself. So not a great way to go about trying to get a job. Hey, I want your job. How do I get it? <laughs> so uh, but anyways, I, I, I left a message for him and he called me back a, a few weeks later. I was in a crowded McDonald's and I couldn't really hear when I answered the phone. And uh, all of a sudden I heard something about an all-star game and I thought, well, this might, this might be an important call. So I ducked outside and it turns out it was uh, a fellow named Lauren Fox, who was the, the broadcaster for the T-Bones. And he said, hey, my, my broadcast partner just left. And uh, I, I need a number two for the rest of the summer. Uh, how about uh, you just come up and do a couple games with me and we'll see how it goes. So I did. And we hit it off right away. And I, I was the, the number two broadcaster for the T-Bones the rest of that summer and for the next two years while I was in college, right up until I graduated. It was a, it was a blast. And once I graduated, he had gone on to another job and had moved on in his career and uh, they gave me the job. So that's that was the start of my career uh, in, in Kansas City, the town I grew up in, indie ball team, but we were on a decent little radio station. I, I could live at home, save some money because God knows I wasn't making any money. So it, it worked out to, to turned out to be a great start. I go on my first road trip and uh, our owner had a reputation of being a little Steinbrenner like he was he was very hard on his employees, really pushed them, uh, demanded a lot, certainly didn't pay like Steinbrenner, but, but really demanded a lot. And uh, he was always very good to me, but, you know, could, could be difficult at times. And I go on a first road trip and apparently I was a little uptight because I get back in the, the ballpark and the first home game. So a home opener. And my boss calls me down to his office. He had this big, deep 
baritone voice. And he was going to do the games with me that year. I couldn't find anybody to, to be a broadcast, to be my broadcast partner that year. And he had done some games in AAA uh, broadcasting. So he had a little of that in his background. I think he missed it some. So he, he was a fun guy too. I thought, well, this will be great. So he was going to be my, my broadcast partner for the year, but he calls me down to the office and I walk down there, go downstairs and go into his office. And he goes, Tom, uh, yeah, yeah, you sucked <laughs> right out of the gate. Told me I was awful on the road trip. Uh, I, I said, well, what do you mean? Oh, you're too uptight. I think the owner's in your head. You need to relax. All right, how do you, ex how do you suggest I do that, sir? He goes, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to drink. <laughs> so here I am, my first professional broadcasting gig as the guy, and now all of a sudden my boss is telling me to drink on the air, completely contrary to everything I've ever heard in my life. And uh, so sure enough, like clockwork, he would get the ballpark open, welcome the fans into the – end of the game and um, he'd come up to the booth about the third inning and he would call down to our concessions people on the uh, radio and they'd bring one of those shallow rubber tubs down full of beer on ice and he'd crack them open and we'd, we'd keep doing the game and I had a career to worry about so I wasn't I wasn't exactly getting loaded on the air but you know had a had one or two to take the edge off he was drinking a beer an inning and I remember one night this game just would not end. We go into like the 15th inning and uh, the, the T-Bones, the team we worked for, load the bases with nobody out. And you think, finally, this game's going to end and we don't score. And he's doing the game and he goes to break. T-Bones leave him loaded. It's still tied at four. This sucks. <laughs> I lost it. So that was, that was how I... Tenure got started with the T-Bones. That was the only year uh, I ever had a drink while on the air. Uh, but it was it, it taught me a valuable lesson. It, 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 it taught me that you have to be relaxed. You have to have fun doing what you're doing. If, if we're having fun on the air, then, then you're likely to be having fun listening to the game. And that is really, really important. And that's, that's the lesson that that taught me. Not to drink on the air, just to be relaxed, to have fun when you're doing the game. And uh, that's something that I carry with me to this day is when we're doing a game, uh, Jeff and I have a blast together on the air. Uh, we'll, we'll share some laughs and hopefully when you're listening at home, you laugh along with us. But, but that was, that was something that was really important to getting my career started. Certainly a little unorthodox uh, and that's not something they're going to teach you in school, but it, it was, it was uh, a, a fun tenure with the T-Bones. Nonetheless, I was there for two years Spent a year in Myrtle Beach working out there um, and then spent two years in Davenport, Iowa uh, with the Quad Cities at the time. They were a Cardinals affiliate, and that was all before I got the job in Pensacola. I've been all around the place. I, I've been to a lot of towns, some of them I'd love to go back to. Other towns like Jackson, Tennessee, if I never cross through there again, I will be a happy guy. There, there are certainly a lot of towns you see along the way that you don't necessarily want to see again, but it has been a fun journey and it certainly led me to uh, Cincinnati, a place that I, I'm very, very happy to be. Um, I, I'll tell you a little bit about the team too. I, I know last year, if you follow the Reds at all, uh, it was it was certainly an up and down year, but certainly an exciting year too. It was, we had a lot of fun. The team 
started slow, had a lot of promise. I certainly thought that the team would be a really good. I thought we were going to have a great year. In fact, if, if you were to ask me in February, I thought the Reds not only would make the playoffs, but could go on a deep run. Well, they made the playoffs, but unfortunately were bounced after a couple of games against the Braves and uh, didn't score. The Reds didn't score a run, got great pitching as they had all year. In fact, Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young and became the first Red ever to win the Cy Young. And watching him pitch every fifth day was really, really special. This guy was magnificent. He had electric stuff. The way he could make the ball move uh, and dance, it was it was really special. He had hitters baffled all season long. It was one of those uh, seasons that is probably a generational type of season. We might not see something like that from a Reds pitcher again for a very, very long time. And the Reds have some really good pitchers. Even if Trevor Bauer doesn't come back next year, and it's possible that he will, it's also very possible that he won't. Uh, but the Reds will still be in good shape from a pitching standpoint. Sonny Gray will return. Luis Castillo continues to make progress. Uh, Tyler Malley is another young pitcher that made some good progress last year. So there's a lot of things, if you're a Reds fan, to, to be excited about. So even though there, there are some guys that, that the team may lose to free agency, there's certainly reason to be optimistic. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Um, it, it's It's been a fun couple of years with the Reds. Uh, I'll, I've got one last story to tell you. It's, it's uh, about me and Marty and meeting one of my broadcasting heroes. And then I'll open some things up uh, for questioning. I'd love to hear any questions you guys have, thoughts that you have, or uh, if, you, if you're a regular listener to Reds games, if you have some things that might make the games more enjoyable, love to hear that as well, especially um, from, from your perspective. I'd, I'd love to hear uh, what you, any suggestions that you might have. So I think it's some questions and, and we'll get to those in a moment. It was my first spring training, 2019. It was my first year on the job. And uh, I, I was all excited. There are a couple of guys in spring training that I was really excited to meet. One of them was the voice of the Brewers, Bob Euchre. And those of you that are familiar, Bob Euchre was a, a, an actor a little bit. He's also a comedian. He was a catcher for a little while in the major leagues, but one of the funniest guys on the planet. He, he was also the character Harry Doyle in the movie Major League, and he was just hysterical. In fact, he made the movie great. So I was really excited to meet Bob Euchre. I've listened to him growing up some too uh, through the MLB app and uh, listening that way, just because he's a fun guy to listen to. You talk about a guy that doesn't take things very seriously. He's funny on the air, and I've always admired that about him. So I was really excited to meet Bob Euchre. However, I made the fatal mistake of telling Marty that I was excited to meet Bob Euchre. I, I told him, I said, hey, we're playing the Brewers. Uh, do you think you think Euchre's going to do those games? He goes, yeah, he probably is. And, and Marty, Marty called Bob the night before, unbeknownst to me. And he was talking to him and said, are, are you doing the game tomorrow? And Euchre says, yeah, I'll be there. And Marty responded with, hey, I've got this young guy that's new. And I need you, when I introduce you to him, to greet him as only you know how. You know what I'm saying? Euchre's like, yeah, I, I got you. Uh, don't worry. It'll be taken care of. So fast forward to the next day, spring training. We're at their complex in Maryville, Arizona. And I've got my 
head buried in my scorebook, writing notes in, filling out my lineup. And the, the press box there, it's all glass, so you can see down the other booths. And I saw Marty down there talking to Bob, and I'm a little nervous, some anxiety. I'm already nervous. The whole, the whole spring, I was nervous. This is my first spring training as a big league broadcaster. And at this point, I'm just a fill-in broadcaster. Um, and I was in charge of the post-game show, but I did a lot of the spring training games that year. And so I'm, it's a, it, everything is new. Everything's a new experience. I'm already a little nervous, a far cry from comfortable. And Marty comes in to our radio booth and says, hey, Uke's down there. You want to go meet him? And I said, yeah, if you think now is a good time. He goes, yeah, it's as good a time any. So we walk down the hall, two doors down together. Marty walks in and introduces me and says, hey, Bob, I got somebody I want you to meet. And Bob's, you know, got his head down and he's, he's writing notes on his scorebook and getting it ready for the game and, and filling out the lineup. And then he holds the phone to his ear and takes a phone call. And he's talking on the phone and Marty and I are standing in the back of the booth awkwardly waiting for Bob to finish his phone call. And then he puts his hand over the mouthpiece and turns around to me and says, hey, are you going to be in Cincinnati? I said, well, yeah. He goes, I'll see you in Cincinnati. And I thought, well, now what do I do? I kind of look for Marty for guidance and he's standing there kind of a little put off. He's got this puzzled look on his face. And I'm still trying to figure out, do I walk out? Do I stay? What do I do? And I figured I'll just wait and see what Marty does. If he walks out, I'll walk with him. Minute goes by, Bob puts his hand over the mouthpiece again, turns around, and this time, almost a little agitated, goes, I said I'll see you in Cincinnati. And now Marty looks irate. I mean, Marty really, really looks put off by the whole thing. And he's kind of shaking his head and we walk out of the booth and we're walking back down to our radio booth. And Marty goes, well, that's Uke. And I, you know, I said, that's, that, don't worry about it. He's busy. He's got, you know, a game to get ready for. And it's, it's not a big deal. So I get back into the booth. Admittedly, I'm a little nervous after this whole thing. It was, a, it was very awkward. I, I have now just irritated Bob Uecker a guy that I was really excited to meet, a guy that I look up to. And uh, I I go back, hands shaking as I'm <laughs> finishing to fill out my lineup card. And a minute later, the door flies open to our radio booth and Bob comes in laughing hysterically and goes, I got you pretty good there, didn't I? <laughs> he comes up, gives me a big hug, throws his arm around me and sits there and proceeds to share stories and just had us in tears laughing so hard at his stories for the next 30 minutes couldn't have been a nicer guy and uh it, that was that was one of the moments where i thought all right maybe i maybe i am in this club and it was it was a pretty special moment for me it was a lot of fun uh we revisit that story every time the reds and brewers get back together i i, I talked to bob almost every time we played milwaukee and and he's there doing the game and and it's just he he couldn't be a nicer guy so that was a fun Fun kind of, uh, I guess, indoctrination into uh, Major League Broadcasting with two legends of the game and two Hall of Famers. And it was it's something it's a story that that really means a lot to me and I'll cherish forever. So that was uh, that was spring training 2019. And then uh, 2020 was was really a very, very unique year, certainly hoping for a more regular situation in 2021. Hopefully I didn't bore you too much. I, I really appreciate you guys 
taking the time and, and allowing and join you guys for your convention. Uh, by the way, if anybody is an Ohio State fan, they're in a pretty good one right now with with Indiana. So uh, it's a it's a pretty it's a little closer than I thought it would be this afternoon. But with that, I'll uh, go ahead and open things up to questions. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Right. So if you have a question, you need to raise your hand. To do that, you press star nine on your phone. And if you're on the PC, you do alt Y. If you're on the Mac, option Y. If you're using the mobile device, you do the um, double tap the raise hand button. Um, so could I ask a quick question of Tom, well, actually, kind of a comment. Y you know where Trevor came from, right? Well, yeah, Cleveland, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. uh, being, uh, a big he, base, being a big baseball fan myself, Tommy, I, uh, we, we, had, we, ga we gave him up, but uh, I'm glad he did well for you guys. So. Well, and, and you guys ended up with a Cy Young winner up there. Uh, I know. And you're part of the state as well. So they can't both win the Cy Young in the same year. So it worked out well. It was a good way to spread it the did. wealth. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Love those, inners, you know, the, the uh, state games. So oh, they're, they're very a cool. lot of fun. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Thank you. What a great presentation. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Robert Wiegand. Hi there. Hey, Robert. Hi, Tommy. Uh, huge Reds fan, and it's really great to, to hear your talk and uh, get a chance to ask you a couple questions. Um, Jeff Brantley sounds like a real character, so <laughs> if you could uh, relate a couple of Jeff Brantley stories in your, in your short time with the Reds, that'd be great. And then as far as, uh, future descriptions, when you're, when you're going to new ballparks and stuff, um, the more you can describe about the ballpark itself, any unique features that they, they have, uh, like the pool in Arizona or even in, in Cincinnati, when you say things like the batter's eye, uh, where is that located? That kind of thing. Or, any unique features that, about particular ballparks that you would share with us now, even? Yeah. Um, no, that's great. I, I appreciate that, uh, Robert. I, I think, you know, the, all the ballparks are, are so unique. The Ivy at Wrigley Field is, is one that I think is a staple. Everybody's familiar with the Ivy that covers the brick out in, in Wrigley Field. I think what people aren't always aware of is that for the first couple months of the season, that ivy is not filled out at Wrigley Field. So it's just a bunch of, it looks like a bunch of twigs that are just covering the brick wall. It's not a very pleasing look at all uh, at the start of a, a baseball season up until the ivy grows out and fills out, uh, which is usually, I think, I, you know, I haven't been to Wrigley enough to really pinpoint the days, but I think it's May into, or uh, April into May, uh, probably late April, May, that it really starts to fill out. And then it, it's, it's one of the most beautiful sites and iconic sites in baseball. The, there's a park in the, or not, there is a park. The park in San Diego is another place that I went to for the first time two years ago when we played the Padres. And it's a park that you, you know, you see it on TV and it's one thing, but when you go there uh, and the beauty of that ballpark is, is that it's a new park, but they've, they built into the stadium down the left field line. In fact, the corner of this building 
is the foul pole down the left field line. And it's this really old brick. Uh, it, it's a kind of a warehouse. It was a metalworks building. And the old uh, sign that says Western Metal Supply is still a faded painted sign at the very top of this stadium. But it's just in such contrast to the sparkly new stadium that's around it, but they were able to build this ballpark around it and incorporate this building, something that is very unique and very special. So that's a great call. I, I, I appreciate you pointing that out. And that's something that I think we can do a, a better job of. And I'll certainly try to do that uh, moving forward as described the little, the little nuances of all the ballparks, because that's what really what, what I love about them too. And, and hopefully I can bring that enjoyment to you listening. Uh, as far as Jeff goes, he is a character. He is a riot. I love working with him. Uh, people ask us how we get along so well so quickly. And I said, well, we, we, we have a lot in common. For one, we both love the game of baseball. Two, uh, we both like country music. And three, uh, we also both love to eat. <laughs> so... We, uh, we, we, he is, he is kind of the go-to source of restaurants on the road. So if we get into a place and, uh, we, we get there early enough to have dinner, uh, he's usually the guy picking out where we're going to go. Cause he's not only does he know all the good spots around town, every city we go to, he usually knows who runs it. So we get pretty good care when we go into these restaurants, there's this place in Chicago that has these crab legs that are the size of your arm. And uh, he took us there. We had those. That was that was spectacular. But when I think of Jeff, I, I think this story kind of sums it up. Um, I, I, you know, spent a long time working in the minor leagues, making no money. So I'm a relatively frugal individual. Jeff is anything but. He walks into this bar. He realize or not bar. He walks into this uh, restaurant. Or, I can't talk. He walks into this store. I think it was San Francisco. And he had realized that he had forgotten his belt. So he had to buy a belt. And he goes into the store, grabs the first belt he sees, and clearly he's not at TJ Maxx. Uh, and he, he goes to buy this belt, and he goes to pay for it, doesn't look at the price, just pays for it. Gets back on the bus. You know, he's in a hurry because the bus is about to go to the ballpark. And he gets back on the bus, pulls the receipt out of his pocket, and realizes Oh, I just spent $500 on a belt. <laughs> so that's a little, that's a little story of Jeff that kind of sums up uh, a little bit about him, but uh, no, he is a great, great guy. Uh, I love working with him and I truly, I could not ask for a better partner. We have a lot of fun on the air together. I hope that comes across and um, he knows the game so well. I, I love to talk the game of baseball. He does too. And, and I think that that works out pretty well on the air. So yeah, thanks for asking about him. I love Jeff. We've got quite a few hands raised. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mar Mary Carabino is unmuted already and ready to go. Hi, Mary. Well, she was. She should be. <laughs> yeah. Mary, you should be able to talk. You're showing that you're unmuted, so. Mary, you there? Or did I put you to sleep? <laughs> well, why don't we move on to yeah, Todd? Yeah, let's let's um, get to I'll Todd. Get, and... I'll get Todd, and, and if Mary joins, we'll go back to Mary. So, Todd, you should be, you can unmute and talk. Hi, Todd. Hello? 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 There you go. go. Okay. Um, 
I got a question for you, sir. Yeah. Um, first of all, are you a blind broadcaster? No, no, I, uh, nope, I'm not. I, there are, there is, well, there was at one point, there was a, a broadcaster that was, that was blind, but no. Uh, okay. Well, when you go broadcasting, um, is there like a, a, a booth that you sit in with earphones and stuff so you can hear what's going on and stuff? I, I mean, I, I know that the, I know that you're broadcasting directly on the radio. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like to know is, like, what is the equipment you guys use to broadcast and stuff? Sure. Yeah, I, uh, we, uh, w- we have a device that all of our equipment hooks into. So um, it, it's changed. It's evolved over the years. But we have headsets, so it's an earpiece. And out of one of the headphones, it extends a microphone that, that's right in front of our mouth. And where we broadcast from at the ballparks is a booth. It's, it's a room that has glass windows that overlook the field. We have a great view. We're always right behind home plate. And that allows us to see everything that's going on so we can relay that as accurately as possible back to the listeners at home. Uh, our headsets are connected to a, a a sound mixer that has all sorts of inputs. They get audio from the field, with, which picks up the crack of the bat. Sometimes you'll hear, you can even hear, uh, if, the, if the mics are really good, you can hear players walking around in the on-deck circle. You can hear the, the crushed brick of the warning track grinding on their spikes. You can hear the donut clanking off the bat before they go to the plate. And, of course, you hear the pop of the mitt and the crack of the bat and all that stuff. There's also microphones that feed into that mixer that pick up the ambient crowd noise, the stadium effects. All of that helps play into the audio theater that is a Major League Baseball broadcast. And that mixer hooks into our equipment that transmits over the Internet uh, the audio signal back to the radio station in Cincinnati. Well, when – okay, another question. How do you uh, – um, how do you and your partner keep your microphones from feeding back um, on each other? Because the last thing you want is to have a bunch of squealing microphones, you know, bumping against each other when you're doing Right. That. Yeah, a lot of that comes from just having the headsets. Uh, typically, the feedback comes from the microphones picking up uh, the audio. So if we, if, if we were talking into our microphones and there was a speaker that had our audio, that would create the feedback. But since the only audio that's being broadcast is coming out of our headphones, uh, that it doesn't pick up that audio, which, which prevents the feedback. So, and, and we're far enough apart in the booth and with the windows open that, that our microphones don't pick each other up too much either. So that's, that, Uh, that helps. So, yep. Do you guys sit down in the booth too? Um, We do. Yeah. We're, we're seated. Some guys typically, Standing is more prevalent in football. I couldn't tell you why, but I've done a lot of football broadcasts in my life, and I'm almost always standing when I'm doing a football game. But baseball and basketball, I'm always sitting. I, I don't know why. I guess – I don't know. Maybe it's the intensity. I just can't <laughs> can't sit down when I'm doing a football game. I'm not sure. Well, when I listen to sports, I always do it by a serious XM. Uh, okay. okay. radio. So, listen, I know that there's a lot of other questions, and I got to get – you know, I, I, I got to – quit while I'm still, you know, I, I got to quit so that other people can, can talk. Well, thanks so Thank much you, for the Todd. questions. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Todd. All right, Mary, are you able to unmute? Um, you should be unmuted and ready to speak. 
No. All right. I'm going to have well, Jim. Let's let, yeah, go ahead Jim. and grab Jim. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Takes our folks minute on the Tommy. phone. There we go. <laughs> Hi, Tommy. You're good, Jim. Uh, hey, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, so I knew the, the Browns and uh, all that, but my father-in-law, he was a Reds fan. So I, in fact, he had a portable radio on his shoulder listening to the Reds game and a football game on the TV, and he had a heart attack. So that was... Oh, my. The last thing he heard was uh, Marty Brenneman, probably. Wow. How about that? That is wild. But uh, but now my grandson, a freshman, uh, is interested in sports broadcasting. So Oh, great. I... I called him up a little bit ago and had him listening to you and uh but he's only a freshman so we'll see 3 years with all the virtual stuff see what happens. Yeah, well I, I certainly wish him the best. It's uh it, it's certainly a grind and it can be a, a tough road but it's it's well worth it and it pays off in the end. It, it's it, it, I always did tell people to, <laughs> What's that now? Did you go to college? Some, I did. I went, I went I went to a school called Northwest Missouri State and got a lot of hands-on experience while I was there, which which helped out a lot. And that was well, really kind of what uh, got my career going. He's at Illinois West. Uh, oh, good. So, yeah, okay, very good. Um, I think Illinois West or Illinois Wesleyan? West. It's oh, okay. one of the state schools. Macomb. Okay. It's not far from Davenport, but. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time there in Davenport. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, very good. Well, well, that's great. All well, right. I wish him, I wish him well. Thank you for speaking to us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jim. Dana. We have Dana. Hi, <clears throat> Tom. It's good to talk to you. Uh, yeah. Good, hi, Dana. Good talk. Also. Thank you. Um, I have two things. One's a question. One's a comment. Um, uh, why? Uh, I've always wondered why does uh, why do people call Jeff the cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's a good question. Uh, so he had these cowboy boots when he was playing, and I, I may get this story wrong, but I want to say it goes back to when he was playing, and he had these cowboy boots, and he has this southern accent and and somebody just kind of from there called him the cowboy because he always wore his cowboy boots so it was one of his teammates I can't remember exactly who the teammate was but I think it was while he was playing for the Reds that he got the nickname the cowboy and it just stuck I think he I think he really kind of likes it so yeah he he just stuck with it okay and then my other one real quick is a comment um you mentioned Bob Bob Uecker uh it made me remember a uh, commercial he did years ago. I think it was a uh, beer commercial. It was. And he was a uh, he was in the wrong seat, and the usher came up to him and said, "I'm sorry, sir, you're in the wrong seat," or something like that. And he said, "I must be in the front row," <laughs> and <laughs> and that was just that was a standing joke uh, with my family. We always say that line that one liner um oh i must be in the front row <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's great he is he, he was so good in those commercials they're miller light commercials and yeah uh, yeah it, that is still a line that he hears quite a bit oh, i must be in the front row so yeah, yeah. 
And then he ends up in the upper deck. It was tremendous. All yeah, the way to the yeah. back of the stadium. Yeah, it was really good. So that's uh, great. Thanks, yeah. Dad. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. We have telephone number 591. You should be unmuted and ready to go. Five ninety one. Oh, I think I didn't realize I wasn't. Yes, you're good, muted, Barbara. But, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I uh, uh, also a Cincinnati Reds fan for in, right. uh, living in Cincinnati, and I really have enjoyed your being part of the broadcast team. And I know Marty trained you well. I must say. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, he was he he was tremendous to me. I I was very lucky in that everybody I've worked with with the Reds has been outstanding, and not everybody I think has the same experience when they get a new job. So he's been outstanding. Yeah. Do you still talk to him now in the off season, and um, how is he doing? He's doing great. I do. I try to talk to him. Uh, shoot, during the season, I feel like we were talking about once a week. Now in the off season, not not quite as much. Um, we would be getting together a little bit more if not for uh, COVID. Uh, we'd probably get together for lunch and have dinner, maybe play some golf. But he uh, he's doing really well. I just talked to him actually last week. He is down in Sarasota, Florida with his wife. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm on the beach. What do you think I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, well, that sounds good. He goes, well, somebody's got to do it. So he's kind of, uh, they're isolating down there. They have a condominium down there right on the beach in Sarasota. And uh, I think Siesta Key. And they'll go down there, spend a few weeks and enjoy some sunshine and some warm weather. And I'm sure he'll come back with a great tan. <laughs> so he, somebody's taking care of his cats while he and Amanda are down there. I, oh, I know he I have. I have no doubts the cats and the dog are probably both down there or all down there. Yeah, I would guess they they are all down there together. Well, how many cats does he have now? I, I have two cats myself. I think he has two cats and a dog. I believe. Oh, okay. Yep. I was thinking he had more more than two cats. I don't know why I thought he had more than two. <laughs> No, I think just the two, yeah. Thanks so much, Barbara. Uh, Next, um, we have Dave. Hi, Dave. Hey, Tom. And I really enjoy, um, thank you so much for attending our convention and a great presentation. I don't have any questions, but um, I do go to, a I don't know how many Reds games, quite a bit of Reds games each year, and I love listening to you on the radio. So um, thank you so much for the great work and really bringing the games to life and Really feel like I'm there when you're when you're um, you and Jeff are um, you know presenting. So well, really wonderful. Thank you, Dave. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I'm I'm glad we I'm glad that it feels that way. That's the ultimate goal. So I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. We have telephone number four eight three. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can. Oh, good. Finally. Um, hi, Tom. Um, hi. I, hi. I'm calling on behalf of my daddy. He, um, he was born in 1929, and um, he was, ever since he was a little boy, he was a Reds fan. And uh, so um, it makes me sad. He just died in February. Oh, so, sorry um, to hear that. But, but I wanted, the reason why I called to tell you he was a big fan is because he was born and raised in Pittsburgh, 
so um as a you know being around the pirates and everything he uh and my uncle his uncle actually was so good they wanted him to play for the pirates so but he never he's always got razzed about being a cincinnati reds fan okay. living in pittsburgh well i'm glad he so, stayed true um, to his roots Oh, yes. He loved it. My brother, Tom, would take him down to see the games um, in Cincinnati, and he just loved it. So, awesome. um, But I do have to say one little short story. Um, we did go down to see the Reds play the Pirates. It was, I believe it was the 4th of July, and it was, must have been 100 degrees, and their Marge was sitting there with her dog, and <laughs> so it's a lot, been a while. And um, I got up to... Uh, talked to someone a couple seats down from me and uh next thing you know the foul ball landed in the seat that i just moved out oh, of oh my uh, the i was like oh my gosh <laughs> oh man i i know so, yes well a, thanks a lot well thank Go you ahead. i i i appreciate it You're i welcome. was gonna tell i as a fan i i was in the uh left field bleachers at coors field in colorado we were on a family trip and a Royals pitcher. We were watching the Royals play the Rockies. Royals give up a home run, and the ball. I was on crutches at the time. I had a broken leg, and I'm hopping down the aisle trying to get to this this home run. <laughs> it's right off my wrist, breaks my watch, and I can't find the ball. And my dad is sitting there laughing at me, holding the baseball. I deflected right to him. I broke my oh, watch, no. didn't catch it, cut my wrist, but my dad had the home run. It was it was pretty funny. Fast forward to a few awesome. years. The, the pitcher that gave that up would be our pitching coach during my time with the T-Bones. So kind of a funny oh, wow. situation. Oh, wow. Small yeah. world. Yeah, it really is. So what, there you go. So what is, your, what is your favorite stadium that you like to go to? Have you been to all of them? And um, what is your favorite one? I haven't been to all of them. Uh, I was hoping if this season would have played out, there only would have been three more active stadiums that I hadn't been to. But this year we didn't get to go to uh, Toronto, which I was really excited about. Uh, I like going to Wrigley Field, to be honest. I, I know there's a lot of Reds fans that aren't big Cubs fans, and I'm certainly not a Cubs fan, but I really like the whole experience at Wrigley Field. As far as newer ballparks go, uh, Coors Field is something is a place that's always been special to me that I really like going. And then uh, at San Diego, I really liked as well. So there's not many that I don't like. I'll tell you this. They're all an upgrade from all of the minor league parks that I went to. This is Katie. Um, I think we are going to um, stop with questions so that we can um, take a little break here and, and then get get back on our schedule. Um, but, but Tom, we'd love, we'd love for you to, um, you know, love to hear you talking and we've loved all you've, all you've shared with us. So well, great. Um, well, I appreciate thank it. Thank you, you so Katie. much. And, um, Lori, do you have any closing, uh, comments? You can unmute yourself if you do, Lori. Uh, yes. Thank you, Katie. And, uh, Tom, I tell you the stories that you have shared with us today, are excellent. I knew that you went to Northwest Missouri and, you know, things like that, but I was just waiting for you to bring up some of that stuff, and you did, and thank you for all of your stories. You know, the Bob Euchre thing, I can imagine what that was like, um, and uh, I just want to say 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I am looking so forward to the Reds this coming year. And you tell that cowboy to hang in there and, uh, you know, keep wearing them cowboy boots, you know. <laughs> I certainly will. Well, thank you so much, Lori. I appreciate it. And thank everybody uh, thank for, for listening in. And I appreciate you guys having me. This was tremendous. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. And for those listening on the radio we and in Zoom, we are going to break until 2.30 p.m. Eastern. So another short, quick break. And then we will proceed with our workshop, the games workshop at 2.30. All right. So I next want to um, when we put the when we put the program together, we thought, you know, how are people? You know, the COVID is happening. A lot of a lot of stress. A lot of just you know things. What are people doing to have fun? How can we you know have fun during COVID? You know, we're all at home. What can we do to um, you know bring some happiness in our lives. And since we're all staying at home, what are some, what are some hobbies that we can do to help and, and kind of come together as a family or as friends? So we thought um, we would reach out and um, learn what are some options for accessible games. And um, we're doing some searching and the name of 64 ounce games came up and we looked at their website and said, wow, they have a lot of neat stuff on here. wonder if they would want to speak to us about, about you know, kind of their, their service, how they got started, what they offer, um, all of those things. And um, so we have with us today Richard from um, 64 Ounce Games, who is going to share with us um, information about what his company offers, how it, how it got started, and... and um, all about games. So, uh, Richard, I see you're here, but you are muted. Can you hear us? Yes. Fantastic. Um, so, my name is Emily Gibbs, and I'm Richard's wife. Richard is right here with me. Yep, I'm right here. And um, we created this company together. I am a teacher of students with visual impairments, and my husband is a special educator. And you might hear kids because we do work from home, and we have five of them, so they're talking in the background. <laughs> no problem. Um, so we got started with this because we have we are both sighted, but we happen to have a lot of blind friends, and we uh, we love to play games. We probably own 150 to 200 board games ourselves. And we were always frustrated because our blind friends couldn't play with us. Right. Um, I am a, um, one of my hobbies has always been board game design. So we, we were frustrated with the fact that our blind friends couldn't play with us. But um, I had some games that I wanted to get published myself. Um, and I thought that I might run a Kickstarter to publish those games. But there were a lot of people on Kickstarter at the time and a lot of things going on. So I'm like, how can I um, set myself apart with my game versus um, all these other games on the market so that we'd have a successful Kickstarter? So um, I, 
I've taken Braille classes. I'm knowledgeable in Braille. Obviously, my wife teaches Braille. So um, one of the things that we decided was that our game was going to be um, blind accessible. So after we created the company, we started um, contacting board game manufacturers to try to get priced out to figure out what we needed to do to get this Kickstarter on the way. And um, when we talked to board game companies, they said, oh, we don't know how to do Braille. You're going to have to talk to someone else. And then um, we talked to people who make um, Braille, and they said, oh, we don't do board games. You're going to have to talk to somebody else. And eventually we came to the conclusion that that somebody else had to be us. Um, so instead of running a Kickstarter to start my own, um, or to publish my own games, um, I ran a Kickstarter to, um, get a Braille embosser and some other equipment, um, and we started printing what we call accessibility kits. And what an accessibility kit is, is you purchase a retail version of a game, like Catan or Dominion, or uh, we have over a hundred different games that we offer. Um, and you purchase the retail version of it. You purchase an accessibility kit from us. And what the kit consists of is a, um, it usually has braille sleeves uh, or sleeves that go over the cards and um, transparent braille stickers that you can either put directly on the cards or on the sleeves. And um, that allows um, sighted and um, blind players to play together because the blind players can use Braille, the sighted players can't. So that helped um, with secret information. Um, and we are, right now, we offer lots and lots of different games. Um, the vast majority of our kits require Braille, but not all of our kits require Braille to use. Um, we have... Um, but all of them, you buy the retail version of the game, you buy our accessibility kits, and you put them together. Um, and then you can play with your blind and sighted friends at the same time. Um, so one thing we think is really important is that we don't offer games that are available elsewhere. So things like Uno or Scrabble or Monopoly are already available. So those aren't the kind of games we focus on. We focus on things like Apples to Apples, Cards Against Humanity, and more complex games that have like a, a complex board that you need to get the information off of, like Ticket to Ride, which is a um, railroad building game, or um, the very timely game called Pandemic, in which you are fighting a global pandemic. And so we do offer a lot of games, um, but we also understand that a lot of people don't know what these games are, um, that maybe because they're not available in Braille commercially, you haven't had access to them. So one thing that we think is really important is we also, we have a small podcast on our website called You've Got to Get Your Hands on This Game. So you can go to the website and listen to a description about the game and how it's played. Or you can also email us at any time and we'll be happy to talk to you about what your likes are, your dislikes are, and recommend games that are appropriate for you. Right. Um, one thing that is, uh, I, as I said, I like board games, so I'm really a um, stickler for um, playing games that are uh, will, will engage you on multiple levels. And we have, um, we have kids games, we have adult games, um, but we don't um, like Monopoly, you can get that in Braille, but even in print, it's um, 
kind of a drag a lot of times. So when we're talking about board games, we're not necessarily talking about, I mean, most people will hear Monopoly and they think, oh, I know what that is. Well, there's a lot more to board games than just Monopoly. There's um, there's a variety of strategies, things that can engage adults and kids and um, are very entertaining that might be something that you haven't experienced before because you haven't been allowed to experience it before because it's just not been available in a format that is um, conducive to people with visual impairments. Um Um, so, so that- now that you've heard a little bit about what we do and um, who we are, we'd be happy to answer questions about, you know, the games that we offer because they are more um, rare or uh, maybe things that you haven't heard of. We're also happy to, um, you know, discuss anything about the process that you want to know. All right. So. Um, Katie has stepped away briefly. Yes, it's narrow. Oh, no, she has narrow, narrow. Yeah. How are you saying? Narrow. Yes, narrow. Um, I have a quick question. What organization are you representing, by the way? So I know. I was like, out, oh, in and out. So I know. Um, so we don't really represent an organization. We have, we, uh, I guess, represent ourselves. We call our business 64 Ounce Games. We have a website, um, www.64ozgames.com. Is it fixed FIX? No, six like the number, S-I-X. Six OZgames.com. How much, like, for example, an Apple's Apple's kit would cost? Um, we try to make them reasonably priced, but they do include Braille stickers and sheets. And so the kit usually... I comes, think that, that one's 65. I think we think that one's 65. So they do... Um, $65, okay. Yep. But okay. it is a lot of cards. We try to make it affordable to the best of our ability, but... I, um, is, it, is it the whole game or is it just a kit? That, it depends on which kit you're buying. In that case, it is the whole game. Um, cards or um, um, apples to apples um, has a lot of different versions, and we used to just offer the kit alone. Um, but people would buy different versions of the game, and it'd be a big pain because it wouldn't. The stickers that we provided wouldn't line up with the game, so mm-hmm. um, that's one of the ones that we decided. Well, we'll just buy a bunch of copies and then ship those out with the braille so that we know for sure that they actually match up. So that's going to be one of our more expensive. um, That was what I was going to say about Cards Against Humanity too, is that's another one I think where the game changes a lot, doesn't it? um, It does, um, but they keep up with the version or um, they have a website that has the versions on it. Um, Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It does change quite a bit. Um, and because of that, we do offer several different versions of Cards Against Humanity. We also offer update kits. And so you can buy just the, the cards that update from one version to another. Right. And we're we're usually pretty good. Um, I usually don't charge for the update. Yeah, I just, um, if, if, if you get it and realize it's the wrong version, just tell me what version it is. And I'll, I usually just send the whatever cards are different between the versions. Um, and usually it's only like 10 card difference or something. So it isn't of that big a deal. Um, but. And so I do have to apologize, but I want to mention this. We have another meeting. Um, so we're only going to be able to stay about eight more minutes. Um, 
Annie, Annie Davis has a question. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, yes, she we can. can. Yeah, a little may, loud. <laughs> um, yeah, you may have covered this earlier, but I don't know if you're are, are you're typically adding new games because one that I would love to see is Mad Gab, and that's a word game uh, for those who aren't sure, where you have some sort of nonsense words on one side, and then you sound it out on the other side. And I only became an expert on that because, you know, I had my sighted family read it to me, but I would think that that's something that you could certainly add to your collection that and and mad libs for that matter uh, absolutely so one thing that we do um ask is if we you there's a particular game that we don't offer that you're interested in uh feel free to email us about it and we will talk to you about um adding it to our collection sometimes we do um like a transcribing service and so if you like buy the game off amazon and send it to us we'll transcribe it to you and send you the game and the game. right we don't charge anything more for that we just um Part of the restriction that we have is that we want to, um, number one, if we do a new game, we want to make sure that it's available. It's going to be available for a while. So um, it, we don't often do like kickstarted games or things that might be on the shelf for two days and then never be seen again. So we, we want to get what we call evergreen games that are always going to be in print um, and they're always going to be available. Um, so um we we try to pick and choose which games that we do but when when i think that it's a i'm confident in the game um yeah if you buy a copy and send it to us we'll transcribe it and send that copy back with with the game and then start offering that game on the website um uh, you mentioned mad gab um one of the game um so those are kind of improv games two games that we offer Right now, um, actually, I might need to put a link for one of them. Um, taboo is a good word game where you have a um, list of word, or you're trying to get a team to guess a word, and you have a list of words. So we offer that, and we also um, another one that I was just transcribing the other day is a little bit more of an improv game where you um, it's called Snake Oil, and you um, are trying to you'll get a one player gets a role, like maybe they're a caveman and you have a hand of cards and you're supposed to come up with and pitch the most interesting thing for a caveman. So you might put together one of your cards says um, hand and the other one says cannon or um, you might have a different card. So you put two cards together, you put it together and then you come up with an impromptu to um, explanation of why it would be the best thing for a caveman or a pirate or anything like that. So it's a good family game and good if you like that sort of thing as far as those go. Okay. Agnes has a question or a comment. Go ahead, Agnes. Um, I would appreciate it if you could please repeat your website. Sure. Our website is 64ozgames.com. Oh, is it OZ? Did you say? Yes, like 64 ounce games. Oh, thank you. Where did that company name come from? Um, so it's a funny story. Uh, we're big Game of Thrones fans. And in Game of Thrones, every house has a sigil or a symbol that represents them. And Richard likes to drink a lot of Diet Coke. So our friends would ask us one day, what would be your sign for, your, for the house Gibbs? And they said like a, a big gulp cup from 7-Eleven. 
right. I see Melody. Melody. Mm-hmm. You're on. Hi. Um, what types of games, and do you have any accessible games for? I would be the blind player, and to play with someone who has sight, say a teenager, with other types of disabilities such as autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning disabilities that I may engage with them. Absolutely. Um, depending on, um, and I would love to talk to you about this um, in more detail, but it really depends on what kind of things that they like. We have games mm-hmm. for children from like preschool level, just learning, don't know how to read all the way through adults. And so um, it really depends on the person, what I would recommend to you. And, um, but again, so that would be a little bit more deeper conversation where we would actually talk about them and what kind of their needs are. And then I would be able to recommend you some games. Right. There's lots of, I mean, you mentioned other disabilities. So we would be, we can definitely find something um, that they would be able to do. It's just a question of how, um, like how, what their needs are. Right. Right. There are no more raised hands from the attendees. All right. Well, thank you so much for having us. I did have, this is Katie. I do have a a quick question that you might've answered. I had to step away for a a moment. Um, But can you talk about, you said, I know in the previous question, you said that you do customize games kind of based on someone's needs. Um, But can you talk a little bit about, um, and I know that you said that you, you kind of decide the games to customize based on um, what, you know, what the, what the needs are, but um, do people, you know, just um, contact you uh, if if they want a game or how do you, I guess, how do you kind of determine Um, what to adapt, if that makes sense? And I apologize if you, if you already touched on that. Uh, But starting from the beginning, when we first started, we adapted games that we liked games that we knew would be good games that are going to be on the shelf retail for a long time. Um, personally, we own lots and lots of games and we, um, you know, based on time and based on um, our personal energy, that's what games got our attention first was basically games that we liked. And as we started hearing from people and hearing from people what people wanted, then we started choosing other games based on games people requested or holes we saw in our collection. Maybe we needed more kids' games. Maybe we needed more games that didn't require Braille. Um, so, it, and the other thing is, our we were both full-time teachers, and we have five kids, so our time is limited. So if I don't like the game, I'm probably not going to do it. It has to interest me, too, because I pick and choose. And, and honest, honestly, I love to open up more more mm-hmm. realms but it's really and also um i think that richard tends to do games that would be a challenge he likes to do games that have large boards because he likes to figure out a way to make that information accessible and so he likes interesting challenges and those are the kind of games he picks as well yeah we have a question um jim you should be unmuted yeah i uh, i guess i'm a special guy but i can only read jumbo braille and you probably, I make my own Euchre cards, but you, you probably don't do anything in Jumbo Braille. So um, we don't do anything in Jumbo Braille, but we do offer several games that don't require Braille at all, but are still adapted. 
And so we, um, if you're looking for games, we definitely probably have something that you could play as well. Um, okay. Thank you. Um, if there's a particular game that you're especially interested in, we could. Um, um, our, our embosser can do Jumbo Braille. I've never done it, so um, I might be able to accommodate that if you contact us directly. I don't know. I haven't done anything like that. But again, it's an interesting challenge, and so it's something that we might, we probably would be interested in trying. Right. And I, I don't think we'd be able to offer all our games like that, but a few of them would go. I don't have any particular in mind. I just know I, I play euchre with some sighted <laughs> friends, and uh, that's how I do it. But well, you can I'll keep you in mind. You can look on our website and see if there are any games that interest you, and then we can talk about whether that's an actual option. Absolutely. Sure. Um, one of the really big benefits of us being a small company, you know, just the two of us, is that we can really individualize our projects. All right. Any I, other I'm, questions? I'm sorry, but we're going to have to go. Thank you so much okay. for having Thank you. Glad you could join us. And thank you so much for sharing this information about 64-ounce games. And Absolutely. We will Thanks for coming. Be sure to send people to your website and get them, um, have them get in touch with you about games. So thank you. Yeah. Any other questions, you can always email me at richard at 64-o-u-n-c-e-games.com. All right. Thank you so much. And now I want to have um, Lita. I know you're here. Um, if you can raise your hand on the phone, um, that's star nine. And we will recognize you. There you are. So Lita, are you there? You should be, you should um, be able to unmute your phone. Howdy, Katie and all the ACB members and everyone that's tuning in. Welcome to the Ohio Conference. Thank you. Do you want to share a little bit about what the Cincinnati chapter has done in regards to the, the Friday night fun that you have started with the group and, and share a little bit about that, please? Yes, I would be glad to, Katie. Uh, um, when the pandemic rolled around, I am you know, the chairman of the recreation committee, and my degree in college was a degree in recreation. And I thought, I'm not going to let this stop us from being having fun, especially if someone's isolated and alone. So I came up out of the box with different games, and different things. We had a couple of speakers, Vicki, we interviewed her and we interviewed Sean. Those were the two speakers that we interviewed. Um, but the games that some of the games that we did, we've done a trivia. Terry did a word pong. We did a made up game about a vacation where we pretended that we went on vacation and spent a week there out in Colorado. Um, a guessing ga uh, guess this person or, or guess person, place, or thing, which I uh, buy a magazine called Woman's World, and they have that in there where you get a guess what the item is. Um, name five, which is one that you can get at Walmart. 
same, uh, same but different. I come up with uh, words that are similar, but they're different at the same time. Uh, family Feud, a TV trivia, and some other trivia. We had a derby uh, race, uh, blockbuster game. Yes, last night we just did a Family Feud Thanksgiving game. So that's some of the things that we've done. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you've done them? Because I know it's it's been it's been you know unique. People people can call in on their telephone and, and participate. Is that correct? Can you share a little bit about how you how you actually yeah, we you have, know, play the games? We have a phone uh, we have a phone number that we have access to a phone number and a code that we call it all call in, and it's not a Zoom number. Um, it's a free number that we're able to call in. And I've looked up information on Google and thinking outside of the box. And it could be either individuals playing against each other or it could be as a team that they're working to win win the, the game or the prize that we're doing. Okay. And are these, are the game nights um, specifically for chapter members or is it... Um do you open it up to others as well? Or is it something that you, I mean, I know something you started with the chapter, but um, would you, you know, are, are, can other people participate? We've opened it up for, for a few others, but mm-hmm. may, basically it's for the chapter itself that we want to keep them engaged and um, keep them active if they want to be active or they feel like they're, um, being a part of a community and part of a family because we look at our chapters being a, a family. Absolutely. Yeah. And so people, Sean, I have a question. Yeah. Um, sorry, as a panelist, I can't raise my hand. No, you're fine. <laughs> so um, how do you manage the, the logistics? If you have a, a phone line similar mm-hmm. to a conference call where everybody could, if they choose to talk at one time, how do you, how do you manage that? And how do you, I mean, I guess maybe it's if if y'all have been doing this a while, maybe you're just used to how the games go. But how do you how do you deal with that aspect of things? Usually, um, it's a matter of um, on there and whoever calls. It's a matter of when they call in. It's the order that we take it in of, of their turn. Okay. And so if you're the first person that call in, you might be the team leader. The second person's the other team leader. One gets to pick the team. The other team gets to pick if they want to, you know, they get to ask the, answer the question. Okay. So you, you basically assign somebody to keep track of who comes in and, and when and, and notate that down so that you can, because uh, of course on a conference call line that's not Zoom, you don't have a, a list. So I imagine so you have you have somebody designated write, to keep track of write that. Write down the name. We write down the names, and then we have someone else with, um, like one of our other members, Kathy. Last night she kept score on the Family Feud game that we played last night. Okay. So I didn't have to worry about keeping score. She did the score, and I would just ask the question. That is, that's really neat. And, you know, again, I think it's, it's definitely thinking outside the box. Um, have there been any more games that, you know, what are, what have some of the, I know you, you ran through quite a list of, of very innovative games and some interesting sounding ones, of course, We've you know, family. Feud is always that good. are not, 
Katie, we've done some that's not like games, but are thinking really outside the box. Um, when they were talking about Bon Jovi coming up with the song, um, I was thinking about it. And so we had a uh, make your own song out of the, out of the virus. Um, so, oh, okay. uh, which Terry did a wonderful job at. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, so people called in and, and sung their songs about the virus. Okay. We've had a, we've had a, um, where we've got on there and we've told jokes. I just, uh, Google. And then I also have a, a thing called holiday of the, the holiday of the day. Um, every day is a holiday calendar, and mm-hmm. it just tells you what made-up holiday it is. I like to go on there and get ideas from that, too. That's that's really cool. I think that's just really neat how you've, how you've built this together, built this up to really try to connect the chapter. Um, how many people would you say, just, you know, kind of on average, I know it, you know, I'm sure it varies week to week, but how many would you say attend the, the sessions? I'd say at least 10, maybe more. Okay. So it's a good and we've size even group. It's had, not too small. Yeah. And even um, Joyce Rogers has started a book club out of, you know, of doing this. One of the things she was, t- we were talking about books and she started doing a book club. So it's expanded in other ways too. That is really cool. That is awesome. Anything else that you that you want to share? What do you have coming up? Do you have ideas for um, moving forward in, in the new year? Um, sometimes we'll get on there and do um, things about new products that are out and about that um, you may not know about. I go out and search Kroger's and Walmart and other stores around and, and find new ideas that they may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. And I ask them if they know of any or if there's new things in the area that they might be aware of. So, right. um, Kelsey uh, we, has... the one game we haven't done is bingo. We haven't figured out oh. how to do bingo and we will save that whenever we are able to get back together. Okay. So, well, given, given your resourcefulness, I'm sure you could find a way Lita to, uh, to Google bingo <laughs> and figure out how to make it happen. <laughs> So, <laughs> thank you, That's Katie. Awesome. You're welcome. We have Kelsey. Let's see if Kelsey has a question I am for you. Here. Uh, yes. I think that Terry should sing his song about the virus that he made up. I don't know if Terry is still <laughs> with us. I think Terry might have stepped away. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't see Terry in the list. All right. Well,. <laughs> So you, we'll you mentioning to, uh, you mentioning bingo reminded me um, one of the thing one of the um, possibilities for games and I don't know if I'm going to be able to I don't I I can talk about it but I don't think I can demo this. There's a platform called RS Games which is available on the computer and on the iPhone, and um, they have a number of multiplayer games including Uno and Cards Against Humanity, but they have bingo as well uh, on there. So uh, that that made me uh, that made me think of that. <clears throat> so there there might be a way if enough people you know for a group that might have people that have computer or um, iPhone if if you have that um, that's a, I know they have a bingo option there. 
Thank you, Sean. It's nice to know. Um, the Kentucky chapter has been doing bingo on their Friday night call sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay. You might figure out, you might chat with them and see how they do it. Absolutely. Well, I'm see just giving a pitch. If people want to do bingo, they can tune in to uh, Carla does it on some Friday nights. Right. So. Um, what have things have, have you been doing your Columbus chapter? Um, we have, we are not as creative as, as you, Lita. So um, we've, <laughs> we've been having our, our monthly meetings. But um, we that's why I wanted you to come and talk, though, because I really think that this is this is a really neat opportunity for our members and our chapters to think about, you know, how to keep keep the membership connected. And it could be something as you know, just, just fun, you know, getting, to, getting together and, um, you know, telling stories or, or telling jokes or playing games or whatever. So that's, that's why I wanted you to come and speak about this and let people know um, what you're doing in Cincinnati, because I think it is a really good, um, a really good opportunity to, to stay connected with your community and your family. So. Lori did a ghost story for Halloween. So. Very cool. We have telephone number ending in 745. Yeah, that's Peg. Um, I just thought of something since you're talking about bingo and creative things to, and ways to play bingo. When I worked at our reading service, when we had a, a reading service in Portsmouth, um, <clears throat> one of the things we did at our volunteer banquet, which you could easily do on the phone, but it would put some people into a research mode, but we did a thing that we called volunteer bingo. And of course we did it with a paper that had things written on them, but on the phone, you could just name the different uh, things. But what we did was we would find out unique things about our volunteers, things that they had done, something unusual about them, or just anything about them, what they did for their career, or anything like that. And then we put it on um, a sheet of paper, and we had uh, the people go around and try to find all those people. In other words, we would write so and uh, who paints houses in New England, or who uh, who worked as a you know secondary English teacher, or who. Uh, has a summer house and, you know, we just put different things about people and it was a neat way to get acquainted, but I think you could kind of change that up a little bit and mess with it a little bit and put it on the phone where we could all get to know things and know each other better, even though, I mean, you know, when we are together, it's nice but we usually go to a meeting, we sit down, and maybe we don't have a whole lot of time to get acquainted with everybody in the room. But this would be a neat way if we could kind of like, if some, if we could, you know, sort of mo uh, modify it, um, because it was really fun. And we learned a lot of things about each other that way. And I think you could probably dream up a way to do that somehow on the phone where you could uh, you know, introduce yourselves to each other that way. Thank you. I like that idea. And that people really know me as, as my howdy. That's that they know that it's Lita when I say howdy because that's my calling. I have a right. birthday with so, me, Carl. So 
So like this week, maybe you could put like a few people with a a fact about them and see if anyone else could name who that person was. You know what I mean? Uh, Like you could, you know, who says howdy? I mean, (laughs) every time, you you know, uh, but it would be a neat way. It's really neat. It's amazing how you can see people from month to month and really not know Mm -hmm. them at all. You know what I mean? It would be a neat way to get to know people. Um, it's, you know, this virus, this pandemic has made life quite interesting, but it's caused us to, you know, have to seek other ways. And I think in ways it might, it might uh, help us to grow a lot, you know, and that would be something you, we could all, that would be something you could modify probably. Absolutely. Thank you, Peg, so much for sharing. I really appreciate that. That's, that's really cool and a great idea that we, um, and think about that's that's really neat thank you rachel has input go ahead rachel you are unmuted okay so this is alex oh, okay um, well <laughs> yeah we're just sharing the same that's okay that's fine um anyway uh game i just wanted to mention real quickly that's a really fun online game um that is accessible it's called code names and it's based off of a board game of the same name and it's a fun word game where basically uh, like you're divided into two teams each team has like certain words that they're trying to get their teammates to guess some of the words on the board are you know words belonging to one team some to the other team then there's some neutral words um i won't go like super in depth about the rules but it's just a really fun word game um and anyway it's free to play online and we discovered it through uh friends of ours um as just a game that works really well people can play it over zoom even if people are using uh zoom on the phone if they have a device be it a computer a tablet that they want to use it on um, with a screen reader if they can. Um, It is a project um, that they allow the public to contribute code to. So when we first played it, it was not actually accessible. And so I actually contributed um, accessibility fixes. I reached out to the um, owner of the project and asked if that's something he'd be interested in. And he said that sounded great and stuff. So the reason I mention my role with that is just if there's anyone who decides to play that version of the game and, you know, has any feedback about that, certainly you can let me know if there's accessibility issues. Uh, the website that the game is on, it's called horsepaste.com. So it's like horse, like the animal, and then paste, so H-O-R-S-E, P-A-S-T-E dot com. They have a link to the rules of the game on Wikipedia. And yeah, it's just a really fun, accessible online word game. You can play it with as few as like four people. You can play it in pretty large groups that I just recommend to, you know, any of the chapters looking for something fun uh, to do with like this time that everything's virtual. That's really neat. Can you remind me, uh, can you say the name again, please, Alex? Code code something code names um code names okay yep right and is and that um is it on well i guess you said it's it's on a website so it could theoretically be played on on windows or a mac or yes the yeah it can be played on since it's on a website it can be played on any device and 
it should be accessible with any screen reader, but if there's a screen reader that it's not accessible with, I could look into that um, and try to see what I could do, troubleshoot the issue um, mm -hmm. to contribute code. And yeah, the particular website name again is horsepaste.com because there's multiple uh, versions of the game online. So that's why I'm mentioning the specific website. Great. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Really appreciate it. Thanks for contributing that. And especially for contributing that accessible code, that's always, always a plus, um, you know, when, when we can, we can play games um, with our screen readers. So thank you for, for doing That's that and reaching advocacy out. right there. <laughs> yes, it is. So it's, <laughs> it's really cool when you can um, put that, that tech skills to use in that way to be fun and helping everyone. So we have Mary Highland. Um, yes. Hi, Mary. Hi there. Um, I, I haven't been listening all day, so and I and I just returned, so somebody else might have already talked about this, but I've heard of other ACB groups having a movie night. Um, have you talked about that? We have not. Um, I have not. Well, I have not been to one of those. I, or you know, it, it requires, um, you know, somebody that knows how to do this stuff <laughs> which is not me um so i'm no help there but apparently you call a certain number and it's just the audio and okay. and it, you know there's probably somebody or a committee that picks a movie and mm -hmm. then you announce the movie it's going to be shown on friday night at uh, seven thirty or something like that, sure. and then you call in, and and then there's a, a, um, a way that you can stay on the line and discuss it afterwards if you like to have a little okay. social time. Mm -hmm. I thought that wow. would be fun. Yeah, yeah that's I don't see any reason. Definitely why a different approach. I don't see any reason mm -hmm. why you couldn't do that in a in a Zoom if you just had somebody to play the mm -hmm. audio of the movie across, and you had you know you could do that i don't see why you couldn't do that right i see on the panel i see we have terry's hand raised so terry you're muted there you are yeah you can do that actually sean there's a place every friday night that shows movies it's called ibooktoday.org and they they've been playing movies every uh friday night and a couple of other games, well, Lita mentioned Word Pong. I don't know if you're familiar with that. If you aren't, I can tell you about it. Um, the other one that um, I've played is, uh, what is it, Anagrams. I, I, I guess that's what you call it. I can't remember. Anyway, like you take a word like, say, Merry Christmas, and you can't use Merry, you can't use Christmas, but you can take those words and make other words or letters, and you mm -hmm. can other words out of the, using those letters. So what we do is we divide up into teams and then one team will go and then the second team will go and um, however many words uh, you keep track of how many words they came up with. Mm -hmm. So team A goes first then team B on the same name and then you switch names but team B goes first and then team A. And wow. uh, with the word pong 
Uh, it's just a matter of you divide up into teams. So say Katie and I were on opposite sides. And somebody would give us a category, say things that are served for your Thanksgiving dinner. Then you can name anything that's served at a Thanksgiving dinner. Well, the problem is you only have like three seconds to come up with something. If you can't, then that person loses. And then at the end, uh, you just have a match between the two people to figure out who wins. That's sort of like that game. Um, is it is it categories or which there are some word games that are similar to that where you have like you're given a card, perhaps. You know, you get a card and you have to think of things in that in that category or things, um, things of that nature. But that's that is a really, really good way. Um, Word games are always fun. I'm just not always very good at them. But that's that's neither here nor there. And we've been playing tic-tac-toe for years without the tic-tac-toe board. You just look at it like your old style phones, one through nine and pick your number. Remember what it is. and. That's really interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that, Terry. Yep. Um, Dana, you have your hand up. I got it. Let's, you yep. got him? Okay. Yep. Thank you, Donna. You should be able to unmute. There you go. You're unmuted, Dana. Are you there, Dana? It says he's unmuted. All right. Yep, you are. We aren't hearing you talk. All right. Well, why don't we go on? I think we have another hand up. Yes. Uh, I thought we did. No, I don't think. Yeah, nope. we've okay. got. Oh, there is. Uh, yeah, there is a phone. Yes. Okay. My phone number. Blah. Hold on, I lost it. <laughs> 225, phone number ending in 225. All right, now you should be able to unmute. I think that's Molly. Oh, okay. I think so. Uh, are you there, Molly? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it, it's sometimes that that woman keeps saying you can unmute and I'm trying to, but I can't hear my phone and find the number. So anyway, yes. I, I've been, I've been having, I've been having to be in and out. So I don't know if you guys talk about any um, apps, but the one um, app game that I like that's good about words is called, I'm not good at it, but it's called seven little words. Mm-hmm. And it gives you like a clue and then you have to, there's a clue and then there's mixed up letters that you have to put together to make the word. And where do you play that on your iPhone or how do you play that? Yeah. Yeah. On on my iPhone. Okay. Yeah. It's a a free app from seven little words. It's it's good. Kind of keeps your brain going. Right. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. All right, I think we have Dana back again. Yeah, Dana, you, you it says you're unmuted, so we just can't hear you talking. Yeah, there yeah, you, there you are. Hear me now. Yeah. We got you. Yeah, we can hear you now. 
<laughs> Actually, I was going to answer Mary Highland's question, but Terry beat me to it. Um, and actually, I do it. Uh, I, it, it is ibugtoday.org. Um, they start at 7.30 um, Central Time. Um, they start chatting that at that time, and they start the movie at 8 o'clock Central Time. So it would be uh, 8 o'clock our time. Or I mean, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> Those time conversions are always fun, aren't they? Yeah. So. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and that's every uh, Friday. You said every Friday. Have? Yep. Every Friday. I bug today. I b u g t o d a y dot org. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. And next, Alex or Rachel? That's Not actually sure. me no. this time. Okay. <laughs> um, You're just. Yeah, we're sharing a computer because otherwise we no get problem. terrible of feedback. Course. Um, sure. But if you're looking for a game that anybody can play, my students absolutely love it anytime we have a couple extra minutes and play a round of 20 questions. And you can play that just about anything with any group size of people. Uh, I stumped them with a candle the other day. So you just think of a word and let them ask questions, yes or no questions, until somebody figures out what in the world you're thinking of. And with middle schoolers, it's really interesting because they think of things like confetti cake. <laughs> they used to have All a right. website called 20q.net, I think it was called, where you could do it online. We have that kind of question, the 20 questions, Sean? Is that what you mean? Yes, yeah, yes. there was there used to be a website where you could do that. Okay. Um Troy. Troy, yep. He's unmuted. All right. Um I like to play games on Lady A. Um one of my favorites is Song Quiz and you can also get a voice activated version of that on the on the um iPhone as well. It's an app. And what was the name of that again? I'm sorry. Uh Song Quiz. Song quiz. Yes. I used to have that on my phone and I wasn't sure if it was still around, but that, that game is, is quite addicting. So um, you can, you can pass some time pretty quickly uh, playing that game. So it is, it is a fun game. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Test, test your musical knowledge for right. sure. So some thank of you, it, Troy. You're yes, welcome. go ahead. No, go ahead. You some gonna... of it is, um, some of the, the there's some premium stuff you have to pay for, but the the free version gives you a lot of access to songs. Right. Yes. Free. Um, free is always good. Right. So, and um, even the premium games, though, usually don't don't cost too much. So, that's a good thing. But it's good to have that option. So, thank you for thank you. sharing. All right. And Sean, did you have a demo or did you say that is uh, not going yeah, to Yeah, I believe I do. Um, we have about let's... 10 minutes left. Do you think okay. we have time? Yeah, let's see if is let's that... see if this works. Can you hear my okay. phone? 1521. Yes, we can. Oh, it's good. Yeah. That's great. Pass code field right. 0 of 4. So, ah. I do a technology call every uh, most Thursdays uh, at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8. It's part of ACB's community calls and I did demo this game on there once. Um so if you've heard it before, apologies, but I'm going to tell Siri to open subwords 
S U B W. Yes, I know. See, <laughs> even if you're good with technology, oh, Siri doesn't always like the technology trainer. Oh, that makes it does. me feel a little better. <laughs> Double tap yeah. to open. Yes. Open sub words. Start again. Sub words. Oh, that's cool. So achievements button. So the way this Double game works, it's a dollar. Achievements. It's a dollar ninety nine, and the way this game works is that you get fragments of words, and you have to pick. Achievements. You have to pick the right words, button. and it's broken up by syllables. So. Um, let's pick Vegetables, Katie's button. favorite level. Vegetables. Button. Vegetables. Of, what? Yeah. It's Katie's favorite. Oh, Leaderboards. Yes, Vegetables. <laughs> heading. So there are different categories. And the way that this works is you, you have a certain number that you start with. Actually, let me go back. And Achievement. We'll... Settings. Vegetables. Instruments. Button. Animals. Button. Fruits. Button. Sports. Button. Our solar system. Button. A hidden level. Button. Hidden level, hidden level. Button. So you have to play through An and get with text and images. a hidden certain level, number button. of stars, one, two, or three. You have to play through some of these earlier levels before you can unlock some of the later ones. And I love y'all. I deleted this game and lost all my progress just so I could show this to you guys. So when I get to things like hip hop musicians, I'm going to regret this because I had so much Our trouble sports, with those. Fruits, but let's animals, go to instruments, vegetables, button. Let's go back to vegetables, vegetables, back, but leaderboards, classic, but time, button. So classic Put is as many where words back together as possible within 90 seconds. Classic button. I guess I should put just all let... words back together without a time limit. So I guess I should just let it talk time button. Put as many words back together as possible within 90 seconds. I am terrible with that, but let's go to classic. Classic button. Put all words back together with L-E-T, T-U-C-E-C-A-R-P-E-A-N-I-P. So you have just all together. So this one. P-E-A. P-P. So P. And voiceover will spell all of these. C-H-I. So there are just different parts of the word that are laid out here, and you have to double tap on the right section, the right part of the word in the right L-E-K, order so z-u-c n-i s-p-i-n a-c-h s-p-i-n so we'll do s-p-i-n a-c-h spinach so you just have to N-I. you have to figure out um and it, it's it's kind of hard to um demonstrate unless you actually play it this is a dollar 99 and there are all kinds of topics anything like like we've heard some of them before they even have things that are really fun like great mythology i did not do well on that one. I don't know if I ever finished that one. Um, so, the, and it's a doll, It's just a really simple little uh, game that lets you, it kind of tests your um, word comprehension and just your, you know, spelling and all that fun stuff. So it's pretty straightforward. And uh, it's a, it's a good little game to play when you're, you know, waiting on something. You know, I used to play this a lot when I was waiting on paratransit when that used to be a thing. Um so that's uh that's a very simple iPhone game. I might have to try that one. Yeah, that it's really great. good. <laughs> okay. Well, I, we don't have any other hands raised unless there's some on the panel. I'm... And if you are, you can unmute. I think we lost Katie. I am here. Oh, okay. I am here. Just had to, um, I took a moment to, to step away. And so um, thank you, Sean, for that. And we 
we actually do have a bit more time because I looked at the schedule incorrectly and this workshop goes until 345 and not 330. So um, that is that is on me. So um, any other, as we do kind of wind down here, um, and I, I do want us to have a, a couple, maybe a couple of, of door prizes before we wrap up, but any other thoughts or um, any other games or apps that people want to, to share in the last few minutes of this session. Agnes. Oh, Agnes. You're good to go, Agnes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I just wanted to tell you all about a game that I play with uh, Alexa and it is puzzle of the day. And it's a crossword puzzle game, but what they do is they give you clues. I love it. And then they'll tell you <laughs> how many letters are, you know, are in the word. And then once you get through all of the words, um, you get five words. And once you can figure them all out, or if, if for some reason you have to say you can't do a word, they'll, you know, just take that off the list. I mean, they, um, but anyhow, what then then what you have to do they'll give you some clues to figure out what the theme is for those words and sometimes it's easy sometimes it's hard sometimes they come up with themes that i would have never thought of with those words that sounds really interesting and i believe someone else plays that right sean <laughs> i do <laughs> i even i have my alexa remind oh. me every day at noon to <laughs> play to play. I've heard the reminder go off. Yeah, I really like it. So that does sound like a fun one. Certainly a a unique way to uh, to play. There are some some other games that that our friend Lexi can play, correct? I know there's a a Jeopardy Mm -hmm. game that I've played before. Um, Quite a few games that that she's capable of playing. So um, I see Jamaica. Yes, we have Jamaica. You're unmuted, Jamaica. Yes, this is Jamaica Miller, and I wanted to let you all know that I have a game that I love to play that is called Word Chain on on Lady A, and it's okay. really fun um, because you get to um, you get to go with a category and you get to try to name as many things as you can against the against the the um, against Alexa. So it's really fun. So. so like she would give you an example of a category. Is that what you're saying? Well, she, she, you have to choose the category like, mm-hmm. like animals or, but animals is the one that I play most oft, often because it's, it's just the easiest one to, to go with. Sure. So then Alexa says, a, well, sorry, but lady A says a word and then you have to come up with the what the what the big what the ending letter was. You have to come up with an animal that is beginning with that letter. Okay, right. Yeah, so, ahead. like, if it says swan, then you have mm-hmm. to come up with a word that begins yes. uh, animal that begins with an N or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's my. That's my special game. That, that, that is a fun game. I, I've played that a good bit. Yeah, That's fun. It. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Jamaica. Really appreciate it. Anyone else? There are a lot of... Um, I see Melody. 
Do you want me to get Melody? I I can get it. I was okay. I know you're. It, you got it. You are doing awesome, Donna. Thank you so All much. All right, Melody, you should be able to unmute. Okay, thank you. I was just wondering, I had a question. If sighted people can get any enjoyment out of RS games, because I've heard of a lot of blind people on community calls playing, and I've wanted to play. I just have some important people in my life that I would love to play with. So They have a... Um they have a web version of the client. It's not quite as nice and it doesn't have some of the sounds, but it does, um, it does allow you to see the content of the games. Um, the actual RS games client, if I remember correctly itself, last I used it did not actually display the um, text of the game on the screen as such. So it was a little bit limited that way. There is also one, I don't know if it's still around. There used to be one called, Quentin C's Playroom it used to be called, and it, I believe, did have a, um, a, a setup where sighted people could play it, but I don't know if it's still around. Let me take a quick, let me mute and take a quick look. I never heard of that one at all. RS Games has so many options. I mean, they just have just a lot of really neat games in their apps and um, on the web as well. And and I know that that one is a is a really fun game. You know, you can play them in teams or you know against the computer and different things like that. So um, I okay, actually yeah, found- this one is called this one is at QC Salon QC S A L O N dot net. Um, he says there at the moment there are 725 connected players and 330 some open tables and some of the games they have are Uno Poker, Monopoly, 1000 Miles, Scopa, which I think is a, a, a foreign uh, card game from another country that they've translated. Um, Dominoes. There's quite a few of these I don't know. Spades is here. French Tarot is here, Cribbage is here, Yahtzee, Farkle, Shut the Boxes, Battleship. There's all kinds of I I played this years and years ago, so I don't know what it I don't know how it works anymore as far as what it looks like, but that's what I'm seeing here. So I'll have to take a look at this one. And do you, are those supposed to be all accessible, Sean, do you think? Or it be, I believe so. Um mm-hmm. because yeah, let me to a little bit because I'm seeing the list of while you're well, doing that. Yep. Oh, go ahead. We have Peg here. Um, Peg, do you, you want know, to go ahead? I I have played Quentin's. I really like it. I've played that a lot. Okay. And um, the only negative thing about it is it doesn't. There isn't an iPhone app for it. Um, okay. But it does have a client for the PC. And it does say you can play in your browser um, it, as well. And you can play in the browser. And I have tried it on the iPhone in the browser. And I have been able to do it, but it's kind of clunky. Um, but yeah, it, it, does has say beta. it does say beta games. next to it. So, Ooh, uh, beta means it, bugs. I, yeah, but it does have <laughs> tons of games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it has tons of games. And uh, actually, in general, some t- I tend to like a lot of the games better than the ones on RS games because they really seem to add some more challenging features to them. 
Um, but you know, uh, you know, it does work and it is, they're all accessible games. It is, um, you know, they're all accessible. Yeah. I'd forgotten about these guys. That's really cool. That is, that is. And and the other cool thing about it is last time I played it anyway, they don't have ads. (laughs) Well, Uh, there is that. Yes. Uh, which of course RS games needs those to keep going, but, uh, I've heard about some neat uh, things on those ads before. Anyway. Oh, I have too. I'm not saying they're necessarily bad, but sometimes they do interrupt you and Quentin doesn't have those. Uh, they used to call it Quentin's playroom. I don't know if they still call it that or not. I haven't played it for a while, but it, it, Mm -hmm. um, but I really, uh, liked it when I played on there. Great. And those are free games. They're all free. Yes. Yes. They're okay. all free. Very cool. And Sean, do you want to give that website one more time? Yes, it's QC Salon, Q C S A L O N dot net. I'm gonna have to dig Very into cool. this more because I had for I I don't know what all of a sudden made them pop into my head, but it's been years since I've used them. Yes. Well I know there was the website back in the day, the you know, the zone website, which had a lot of fun games on it as well. Um, but this was in the early days of the internet. So there were some different word games and things, but it's really good to see, you know, how a lot of these games have adapted and moved on to the iPhone and they're still accessible. There's another one I like on the iPhone called I associate Two. I associate I, the, the word, the letter I associate a space and then the numeral two, um, that too is important because there is a version three that's not as accessible. Um, but it's a, it's a great game for people who are learning to get to grips with the on-screen keyboard. Um, you got, you know, I know we don't all like it, but sometimes you got to use it and you might as well have fun while you're learning it. Um, I used mm-hmm. to really enjoy that one when I, that when I was first getting started on the phone, that really helped me a lot. Yeah. Molly. Molly. Yeah, I I just um, wanted Sean to repeat the um, the URL for that game that you were talking about. Yes, QC. kind of loud here? Yes, qcsalon.net. Q as in Quebec, C as in Charlie, salon.net. Thank you. He's a French guy, if I remember correctly. It's a French website. Awesome. Well, anyone else before we draw for some door prizes? Anyone else have anything to share to contribute to this conversation? It sounds like we've all found a lot of ways to to really, you know, think outside the box during during the COVID pandemic. And I, I think that's really important. And it sounds like many of you have come up with some unique ways to really stay connected with your you know, whether it be your chapter or friends or other, other groups. And, and um, I definitely learned about some new games and resources today that I want to check out um, and hope to do so um, over the next few weeks. So um, thank you everyone for, for sharing your words of wisdom, your apps, your ideas, your, your game demos. Oh, yes. And yes, we would, we would love some door prizes. We have some door prizes. Don't we, Vicki? We still have several left. We we have have 10 or 12. 
All right. Well, we're not going to do 10 or 12 now, but um, let's, let's have a few. Yes, please. All right. This first one is two Larry Johnson CDs donated by someone in the Columbus chapter. And if you're not familiar with Larry Johnson, um, I first got to know him at the national convention. He's generally there hanging around somewhere. Um, he writes, he reads, uh, he's, he's an excellent speaker. Um, his writing is often sort of tongue in cheek. It, it, it's a lot of fun. So somebody will enjoy these. And those go to Milano Vanderwall. So we do share with Michigan Yay. once in a while. <laughs> we can. We have a couple of Michigan members. So we welcome them. Yes, we do. And Congratulations, we'll Milano. Love you up next month during the big game. Well, we're beating you. Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How about another one? I know you're reaching into the magical box. The magic box. And we have another Sport Tech drawstring bag and hat from the law office of Arnold Levine. And this one goes to Marianne Donnellan. Yay. Bet she can use that because I know she does a lot of running and walking and or used to anyway, pre-COVID. Right. Who knows Didn't we what all doing now? Right. Didn't we all do a lot of walking and running pre-COVID? So maybe maybe one more? One more? All right. Sure. Um, and we have $20 from the Columbus chapter cash for Marilyn Allison. All right. There awesome. You go get your registration back. Yes, <laughs> she did. And then some, yes. Got a registration and, and some extra cash. So we still with, have some for later. All right. Thank you so much. And with that, we are going to go on a break. Our next session. And our speaker has just arrived. That's excellent. Our next session will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern. And you're going to want to stick around. We are going to hear a refugee's perspective, being blind in two countries. So, again, that's at 4 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned here on Zoom. And we will be back on ACB Radio shortly. Mm -hmm. 